gotten so caught up in the routines and the traditions that we've forgotten why we do what we do. The same thing gets caught up when we think about missions. We think of missions as banners and slogans, globes and flags. We think of it as being videos, and we go in and we're so excited to hear the missionary not understanding that the people on that screen are people that are either saved or, or going to hell. Understanding that these are people that are going to get on a plane and fly overseas to go into villages and, and cities and, and stand before them and with, with pulpits and the gospel and pour their heart into them because they realize that they're dying and going to hell. We have the slogans, who will go? Lord, send me. But it has become a program. It has become theme services. And I do believe that we've lost our focus. If we were to go back to how it all started, we'd realize that the church has big time commercialized missions and gotten away from the way that it was meant to be. We have lost our passion of seeing people come to know Christ. And I do believe that we've lost the reality of hell. I believe that with all my heart, it's time that we refocus. And I believe the way that we have to do this is I believe that I have to take you back. And I, and I told the guys, I said, I wonder what it looked like in the upper room when God literally sat down on them. And God told them that I'm going to send you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm going to give you the power to turn the world around. It didn't start with all the stuff that we have. It didn't start like this. What would church look like? If we had to turn around and start over. And I believe in order for us to refocus, we need to strip away all the distractions. Be reminded how it first started. Strip away the screens, strip away the flags, strip away all the things that we have put the focus on. believe it started a little more just like this the Bible gives this story of a man named Peter I love Peter in the fact that he was nothing special I've thought about what it was like for him to have that pepperoni in that upper room that day he failed God He actually failed him so bad that he said, Lord, I'd rather die than deny you. And Jesus looked him in the face and said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. I wonder what it was like when Peter realized that he did it. It's 40 some days later after Christ. He ascended up in the beginning of Acts and. I don't know if Peter just had the form that he had. I doubt if his word looked like this, but boy, he sure did fall in love with the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't know if he was sitting in the back corner or what was going on, but they were sitting there saying, hey, God made us a promise that the Holy Ghost would come upon us and we'd receive power and we're going to be, have the ability to go change the world and, and be able to tell people that are lost in darkness. 
how, how God has changed us and he'll change them the same way. Can you imagine as Peter was sitting there, and I, I believe that he was probably a little shaken. And on this day, there was no ushers, there was no piano players, there was no choir, there was no fancy pulpit. There was no greeters at the door, there was no songbooks. Just a man that was convicted that the word of God had the power to change the world. In chapter 2, in Acts, in verse 14, Peter Standing out with the eleven, lifted his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. I mean, he had this congregation and the Bible says that they were from all sorts of nations and cultures around them. In chapter 2 it describes how many different people were there. And, and, and he was sitting in the midst of that and, and he says, and he stood up among the eleven. And it was almost like, I know what it means to be redeemed. I know what it means to be changed. I know what it means to, to have the love of God forgive me when I didn't deserve it. And I know this crowd is filled with people that worship idols. And they're filled with people that turn their back on God. And they don't know God. And maybe they even curse God. But I'm, guys, I believe that if I tell them this, that this would change their life. And, and maybe at some point he just stood up and said, i got to do this. This was the same crowd that crucified Jesus. When Jesus stood up, they crucified him. Here, Peter before was so afraid that he denied Jesus three times because if he was afraid, he'd be lumped into it. Now he's got an audience and he stands before them. Why? Because he stood in the power of God. I don't know if he had a pulpit. I, I I don't know if he had notes. I don't know. But with compassion, conviction, and a passionate message, he began to tell them about his God. Let me tell you, Peter represented all of us. He just represented what God can do when people fail and they mess up. And God says, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. I want to use you to reach the world. And Peter stood before them and he began to boldly preach and Acts chapter 2 verse 21 gives us a glimpse of his message in his message he says this whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved he, he said I, I know that you are the very ones that crucified and chanted and said crucify him but that same God is willing to save you today in spite of what you did to him on the cross Let me tell you, it was no accident that there was people from every nation there that day. Because Jesus taught them that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus taught them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It was a global vision from the very beginning. The word of God was never meant to be contained by the church. It was never meant to be contained in America. It was never meant to be contained among the church people alone. The very first crowd that was sitting there, the, the chapter 2 lists out person after person, nationality after nationality. They were gathered together and God stirred him up and said, I want all of them to know that was God's plan for the church. These people were blinded by sin. But he stood with such a passionate message 
that his message was able to break through, whether they worshipped a statue, whether they worshipped a false god, whether they were grown up inside of a home, a reality of that they worshipped some sort of false religion, all the mind that was blinded, all the sin and the corruption, his message that day broke down all of it. He went on to say, and the Bible literally says they were amazed by his message. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, he said, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Do you know why he put it like that? Because the Bible says, preach the gospel. If I was to define what, hear these words, the words was that Jesus Christ came, he died, and he conquered Verse 23 gives us the description. He says, you took the Son of God, you placed him on trial, you mocked him, you scourged him, you crucified him. But Peter says, allow me to tell you the rest of the story. I'm about to give you one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. In Acts chapter 2 verse 24, it says, whom God hath raised up. Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. He said the rest of the story, just so you guys know, yes, you crucified him. Yes, you nailed him to a cross. Yes, you did all that. But you could not hold him down. He went on to say, not only could you not hold him down, it was impossible for you to do so. Church, do you believe that? That was the power of God. Have we lost sight of the power of God? He, he was saying there was no stone big enough. There was nail, no nail strong enough. There was no soldier strong enough. There was no cross tall enough that could crucify my God and keep him down. Why is that such a big deal? The word holden means held by strength. It means to seize, to take. He was literally telling them, yes, you put up a good struggle. Yes, the devil fought. Yes, you tried. The devil literally in that grave, if you can imagine, he's chanting him on the cross. Hit him again. Scourge him. Get him, guys. As they took his body off the grave, I guarantee he was falling behind and he was laughing the entire time. I believe that Satan, like that old serpent, slithered into that tomb on that day. And he slithered up next to him and he's watching day one, day two, day three. This could not hold him. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to give you false doctrine to read into this. But somehow in there, I believe that he stood up and says, you know what, dude, you are not getting out of here. And God stood up and threw him out of the room. You cannot hold down God. But we have. He said, whoa, 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 that goes against doctrine. You see, there's, there's a power that God's given us. How will they ever know this power unless you tell them? See, that's where we get into Peter. You see, Peter, Peter explains that on this day, the power of God conquered death, hell, and the grave. 
You see, the, the devil tried so hard. But at the end of this, he turns around and he says in Acts 2, verse 3, this is the gospel. When God said, preach the gospel, I want you to understand that God said the gospel has the power, the power to change lives. And he said in Acts chapter 2, they were asking like, well, where is he? Where is he? Acts chapter 2, he said he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. My Jesus is not on a cross. And my Jesus is not in a grave. My Jesus is sitting on the throne because he is the king of kings and he is Lord of all. I love the fact that these false nations have to put a statue to represent their God. You can coat him in gold. You can put candles all around him. You can put the fancy decorations, but that doesn't make him any more alive. And Peter was standing before them on that day trying to explain very clearly that my God is alive. He said, what, what, what does this have to do with missions? He was obeying the call of God. In verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Because it doesn't matter what you have done or where you've been, it doesn't matter the cult you're coming into or who you call God, little g-o-d, that my God is mighty to save. This is the mission. They came under conviction. The Bible says the power of God broke them down. People from every nation that came from every background began to cry out to God because of the power of God. I'm just trying to explain to you as we open up our service that the power of God changes lives. I have in my hands the power to turn a Muslim nation to God. I have in my hand the power to turn a pagan nation that worships a statue day in and day out to God. I hold in my hands the power to take America that has turned his back on God. I have in my hands everything the world needs. Missions is nothing more than me acknowledging that I have the power. But he didn't just say it's just about having the power. It's what we do with the power. Verse 41, then they gladly received his words and were baptized. In the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Imagine before that happened. Imagine being in that upper room. And they walked in and the power of God was with them. They had fasted and prayed and and in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and it gives us a little description. There was no decor. There was nothing special. I asked them. I said, guys, I just I want something. I don't want them looking at the church of some of the normality that we see. So you say, well, pallets are pretty unattractive. You should see the power of God working in places that are unattractive. You should see what it was like in that upper room as they were sitting Around there in that room. And they, they, Peter sitting over there and began to say, man, I'll tell you what. You guys weren't even there. But one time I messed up so bad and Jesus pulled me off the side. Are you kidding me? Do you have any idea what he did in my life? And I'd imagine they were just singing and crying and praising God. 
You might not realize this, but what was happening is they were having church. And the Bible says in verse 13, and when they were come in, they, they went up into a room and they abode with Peter and James and John and list the other disciples. In verse 14, it says, these all continued and with one accord and in prayer and supplication with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I wonder what they sang. Yeah, you know, and said, I mean, that sweet spirit of them just sitting in a room. No, no special theatrics, none of those things that are going on. I wonder if it was something like living, he loved me. But dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. But rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we continue in this service, Lord, my heart is so broken. Lord, that we get beyond ourselves, Lord, because we have made this so much about us. Lord, we'll walk into a mission service and we're more concerned about whether we like the decor than we are worried about people going to hell. Lord, we have gotten so wrapped up in this, Lord, that we're willing to spend more on coffee than we are on sending people to tell people that are going to hell about Jesus. Lord, have we gotten so confused? Lord, have we have lost it so much that we have forgotten that we are the chosen people of God. We are the children of God to take the Bible and the power of God to regions that are dying and going to hell. Lord, have we realized, Lord, that you still have the power to save? Lord, we have not gone so far that you cannot save. Your love and your power still has the ability to reach America and change the world. Lord, help us to get back and refocus on what it's all about. We're going to sing this morning. I'm not going to ask you to be standing. I just want you to sit there and focus on what we're singing, the words that we say. So many times I think our lives get get out of focus and I was thinking about that and a pair of binoculars is no good if they're out of focus. You can't see far away if they're out. But when you get them in focus, when you get them how they are set, they work. You can see far away. Everything is clear. And so this morning as we sing, I don't want anything to to come in between our focus. I want our, I want our spiritual binoculars focused on God, focused on Him. So we're going to sing these words. And as we sing them, I want them to, to mean something more than just, a, than just a song. These words are powerful. These words are what we preach about. These words are what we, we worship, what we sing, the words that we're going to sing about our Savior coming back one day. And as Pastor just mentioned, about oh glorious day we're going to sing that this morning and i want you to not be focused on anything else not to think about anything that's going on but to sit there and think about god and as we sing together with one voice and one accord nobody nobody's better nobody's greater but to come together as one with our focus on why we're why we're here what we're doing let's sing about that this morning one day when was filled with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be and 
Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin and dwelt among men. My example is He. The Word became flesh and the light shined among us. His glory revealed. Living He loved me. Dying He saved me. Buried Carry my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day! Oh, glorious day. One day they laid him. Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. The suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my example is he. The hands that healed nations stretched out on a tree. They took the nails from me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day! Oh, glorious day. Seal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now he's ascended, my Lord evermore. Death could not hold him, grave could not keep him from rising again. One day. 
Doesn't that song have so much meaning? That song, has been, that song has been sung for years and years. It's in your hymn book. It's called One Day. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, there's crazy things going on. It says, when they had gladly received his words, they were baptized. And the same day, they were added to them about 3,000 souls. You see, the Great Commission was never meant to be contained. Man, you can imagine these disciples and Mary and Martha and all them that are up there and Thomas was there. You don't believe me, do you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and they had all of these guys and they were all in one accord in the Spirit of God. And, and here God was literally saying to this team of guys and saying, I can use you guys to change the world. Well, we're just, there's just 12 of us and, and we already had to place one, replace one of them because he turned his back and God was saying, man, I can use you guys to turn the world upside down. Peter's probably sitting there thinking, us? What? I, I, can't, I can't even keep my mouth shut, God. Lord, I, I denied you three times. You, you, us? You want us to turn the world upside down? Oh, this isn't going to make sense unless you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. There's the, one of the most powerful verses that give us not only the power, but the mission. And, and he's... You, you can call Peter whatever you want. He was a preacher. He was a missionary. He was a Christian. He was all of the above. But let's just call him obedient. Because you're a Christian called to be a missionary, called to be a preacher too. Your job is to let the lip, your lips proclaim the message of God. That's your job. And yet we put the focus on so many things. And, 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 and let me say, I'm not dogging our choir, but God didn't just call us to sing about his grace. I'm, I'm not dogging our bus ministry. God didn't tell us just to move people from one place to another. I'm not dogging our banquets, but God told us we have a higher calling than just getting together to eat. I'm, I'm not, not going to dog our worship services, but God didn't say that it's all about making you feel good with the song that you like. You see, if we're going to go back to the roots of it, God said it was all about that you should receive power. He said in Acts chapter 1, he said, I, I'm going to give you the mission because it's going to be easy to get off focus and get distracted with your traditions and your programs. Peter made such a difference because he just stepped up and said, I'll claim that power. And I'll, I'll acknowledge the mission. Jesus, before he sent it, he told them. He said, you should receive power after that. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. God promised them power. They didn't even know what they were in for. I think sometimes we just sit on the power and we're like, man, I'm thankful for my Bible and I've got it signed by this preacher and this preacher. And oh, it's, it's, it's got this kind of leather. And God's saying, oh my goodness. Do you understand what you have in your hands? Do you understand the power that God has given us? And that's what I was trying to prove with our first, first part of our message. 
He literally said he went up there, a guy that was broken and made mistakes, but he walked to the pulpit or or to the platform or whatever on that day, and he preached Jesus Christ crucified, and 3,000 people were saved. That's power. But when Jesus was giving this, that word power was dunamis. That, That word power is the same word that we get today of the word dynamite. It's an explosive power. It is a power that can't be contained. God was literally saying, I can bust up the lies. I can break down the walls. I can tear down the lies that are in this world. I have the power to do so. (laughs) But on that day, he went up to Peter and said, you're going to receive that power. I'm going to be like, do what? Uh, You're going to give me that wasn't just Peter. Have, raise your hand right now if you're saved and you own the word of God. You have that power. He said the words of God and the spirit of God. God said all that, but you've got to understand where we're at right now. It was never meant to be contained. Never. When we go out of this building and we don't open our lips, we are sinning. When we don't send out missionaries, we are sinning. We are disobeying the Great Commission. But boy, we'll faithful to all four services a week. Man, we'll pitch a fit about the program. We'll tell, I don't want, I want to be right with God. I want to be right with God. And God's saying, okay, who are you telling? Because that was the first That was the beginning. That was the launch pad. That was my mission. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I sent you to seek and to save that which is lost. When did you lose heart of the mission? When you talk to most Christians and you say, tell me about your faith. Well, I attend this place. God never said being a Christian is about where you attend. God never said being a Christian is about the songs that you sing or the fact that your radio is on a certain station, or your favorite group is this, or you have WWJD on the, your backpack. God never said any of those things were what it was all about. Those are secondary. Number one is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When did we lose focus? How dare we gather as a church, a praise team, or a choir? And sing the song, Jesus Saves. And not leave this building to tell one person that Jesus saves. How dare we lift up the light in the midst of the light, but we don't carry the light to the darkness. When did we lose focus? And he said, I will give you power. Power to conquer all. Did you get that? It is the same power that he said that we have as a church and as missionaries and Sunday school teacher. He said that same power is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the same power that he said that that the devil could not hold in him, could not hold him down. Is the same power. That word power, I looked it up. The first word in the definition was the word force. Strength, mighty. If the church would wake up, (laughs) if the church would wake up and tap into the power that God has given us, we're going to realize that this body of believers is a force to be reckoned with. 
If, if we would wake up out of our apathy and put down all of the things that we've been distracted by, if we would put all that down and get refocused, God said, I could turn Columbus upside down with the power that I've given you. God said it, and you say, well, it's gotten so bad, and they've kicked God out of schools, and God's going, what? I saved 3,000 in one day with a dude that couldn't even keep his foot out of his mouth. I raised my son from the dead after three days after they crucified him. And you're going to sit there and say you lack power? No, we lack faith. We have the power. We have the power. He said, you're, you, you've got a power. Now that power, now I mean, we, we know all the verses. The devil is the prince of power of the air. We walk into this world and we walk outside there and it's dark, man. I mean, we're almost afraid to say, kids, get back inside, man. We turn on the TV, whoa, it's dark, turn off that. We turn on the news, whoa. We, we walk through Walmart, we're, I mean, it's dark out there. I mean, we're, we're, we, we've got the shadow of death creeping in on us like a plague over America and over the world. You say, why is that? Because you've got to understand something. We've been really passionate about talking about Fellowship Baptist mission program. Let me tell you about another mission program. It's, it's to preach the lies to every creature. It's, it, let, let me show you, okay? Now, just so you know, this, this is a glimpse of the devil's mission program. See, he's going through the world around us, and he is, he is lifting up lies, and he's having people that are literally sacrificing their children to idols, and they get no response. They are crying out and literally giving their money to the point where they're living in poverty to worship a statue. You say, how is that possible? Because the devil has an incredible missions program. His, he meets with the demons of hell and he says, hey, listen, my goal is that to preach our gospel to every creature. My goal is to go to the highways and hedges that all will know the lies that will send them to hell. Go, guys, and I'll give you the power to do so. So we live in a world that is consumed with lies. But you shall receive power. And that power that he said is a force. God literally said, I will take you into the remote villages... Where they, where they worship idols and statues and they're sitting, they're sacrificing their children. They've been blinded. They never heard of God. They worship trees. They do all this stuff. And God said, through the power of God, you can push back the darkness. Because what I have in my hand and what the church is, it is a force to push back the darkness. If we would raise up, we could be a church that made a difference in Columbus by pushing back the darkness. We hold in our hands, but we have not tapped into it because without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, the only thing that we're missing is faith and obedience. The Bible says about us in the last days that we'd be increased with goods and have need of nothing. He said, I wish that you were cold nor hot. And he said, you've become so lukewarm and you're so comfortable with what you have that we're willing to come in and take our Bible that's been given to us and we sit down with it, don't even think another thing about it. We're checking our watches to see how long the service is going to go. We're, 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 we're so worried about how much we give or don't give. There's people that don't give a dime to God. You don't tithe to the church. And God said, do you realize your entire life 
has been given to you to spread the gospel, to get behind the church, to be the church. And yet, our local Starbucks will get more money than God's house does. And we wonder why we are failing the mission when we're willing to sacrifice to have a cable bill. When we have Wi-Fi and we upgrade so that we go from 3G to 4G. And that is a sacrifice we're willing to make and yet we give nothing to the mission that God has given us. That's why the devil is winning. Because they got the they got it. They figured it out. And the devil just creeps through the church and says, Oh, just sit there. Are you comfortable? Oh, you want a better seat? Can you see can you see the words? Okay, okay. Oh, you don't like this? Why don't you just leave? And he's sitting there ripping the church apart over non-essentials. Here we're facing this darkness. And Satan is dragging people to hell. He said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But let me tell you, all that was for a reason. Because he finishes and says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see what God was saying through all this? He said, I'm not just giving you the power, but I'm giving you a mission. And that mission is to spread the power to the darkest places of the earth. To spread it here in Jerusalem. To spread it to the places that don't know. But I'm here to tell you church. We will never ever accomplish the goal. Until we become obedient. And realize God said to seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall add unto you. God said that my work is first. You live. You breathe. You exist. You're here today. You got breath coming out of your body. You're saved for a reason. To be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Each one of the disciples caught it. He said, if you'll take up your cross and follow me. We're not even willing to take up the 10 o'clock hour to come to church to learn more. He said, deny yourself. I believe that God is going to do something great with Fellowship Baptist Church. I say, how do you know that? God's working in my heart and the more people I talk to I realize that God's working in their heart too and I just realized this last year we made a goal for for long long many years 150,000 goal 150,000 goal we took in the commitment cards it didn't even add up to 150,000 I said you know what I'm, I'm tired of this walked in the jean and she said what's the goal I said 160 she said but the cards didn't come into that and I said I know it's time to walk by faith now we always met our goal but the cards is where we step out on faith. It's, it's the individual person saying, you know what? I'm going to ditch this in my life. You see, sacrifice, it all started with Jesus. He laid down his life. The disciples, one by one, laid down their life. Jesus has said to us, take up your cross. He's not saying, go be crucified on a cross or whatever. And if that's what it takes, then bless God. There might come a day that we have to do that. But right now, the, the, the extent of it is pulling out our checkbook and putting God first. It's a matter of giving from our heart because we realize it's what's most important. 
And I mean, I'm thankful for the local church and our tithes and offerings, but we have established a program in our church of our faith promise that we say above and beyond, I'm going to give to fulfill the great commission to send people around the world. So we're about to pass out the cards here in a second. And what I want you to do is pray about it. We're going to take time. At the end of it, you can drop it in the offering plate. Or we can do it at the end of the service. But regardless of this, what is what I'm asking you to do? You make it a matter of prayer. You understand that the world is going to hell. And this isn't guilt trip. I'm, trying, I'm giving you scripture after scripture. You know why? Because the word of God convicts. I don't want you to say, well, Pastor Tony, he's going to be all over. No, you don't even put your name on the card. But I'll tell you this. You say, I don't know how. I don't know how. Without faith. It's impossible to please God. Those disciples turned the world upside down because they walked by faith. They're going to pass out the cards now. Will you sing with me a song that describes everything that we're doing? We just got done talking about the power of God and how mighty he is. And so when you think about the world, when you think about everything that's dark and gloomy, we still have the the power of Jesus, and our God is mighty. He's mighty to do many things. He's mighty to to raise mountains. He's also mighty to save. And so let's sing about that this morning. And everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of a nation. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Conquer the grave. Hallelujah. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. Give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Oh, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, He arose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, shine your light and let the whole world see, we're 
singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, he can move the mountains. Sing it. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he arose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty Acapella one time. I want you to think about these words. Here we go. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he arose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. I, we're, we're beyond blessed. God has given us the word of God to hold, to preach, to teach. They're willing to give their lives. And this, this isn't far-fetched, just so you guys know. This, this is happening all around us. Every day, people are giving their lives and they say, the more they try to restrict us, the more the power of the gospel is getting out. It's, it's like trying to contain God. You can't. God proves his power. The more and more, by, by the more they try to oppress it, the more the power of God pushes back. Almost like a, a force or a thrust. They said in some of the countries that there's the most persecution, there's the greatest revivals taking place. And I've often thought, is that why America is not experiencing revival? Because we don't understand persecution? Because we have lost our love and our passion and our respect for what we have. That we have taken the blessings of God and then we sit on them. Rather than give them. The entire mission of God says give and it shall be given unto you. We've, we've gotten the given unto you part. But I think we've lost sight of the mission of giving it back out. And then we sit there and think, why is God not blessing America? And why is the government in the position? And then why are schools? And why this? And God says, because somewhere along the line, you stopped giving to me. Turn around and say, oh, yeah, the world, yeah. And God says, no, I'm talking to my church. In the Bible, you can see how the word of God was spreading. And I was going to take you through this, but for the sake of time, and the Bible has all these things about how they went out in the church sacrifice and they gave. And, and Acts, it says, and, and, and at the end of Acts, it says, and every man gave to every man as they had. And they sold their possessions. There was such a passion of saying, you know, my life is not about me. I'll sell my car. I'll sell my whole. I, I'll do whatever it takes. There was a radical Christianity, but God was exploding the church. The reason why we can't even see 
churches filled in America where there's no opposition, no KGB on the outside, no police and no prisons filled with Christian in America is because we can't even fill what we've got. We have no opposition. God is working around the world because the power of the word of God has not lost its impact. God said, you know what, the word of God is so powerful. We've all said, man, things have changed and the world is dark and all that. God said, it's always been like that. Let me show what I'll do when you take God's word and you deliver it. That's why we have these missionaries sitting around the church right now. You know why we're going to get behind them? You know why we're supporting them? You know why we give? We give out of our wallets and out of our budgets and out of our funds to faith promise to put it in there. Because I believe in what they're doing. And I believe that God's going to work in lives through our obedience When did we lose fact that God is a God that says you walk by faith and not by sight? We step out of our comfort zones. We trust God. We put it all in there. We hold nothing back. All to God we surrender. Maybe we need to cut those songs out of our hymn books. Because God says, no, you don't. Sounds good. Hope it made you feel good. But it's not how you live. We have a dear lady that attends our church on a regular basis her name is Nadia Nadia would you mind standing do you have Nadia stand for just a minute where she's at just stand I don't want to embarrass her this is Nadia and uh, Nadia is one, one of my heroes and, and she doesn't she doesn't have to even be recognized she's got a note for me she doesn't speak English at all She said, God sent to my life, dear Bill and Sylvia, through whom I have found out about your church and the love of God. For 22 years, Sylvia and Bill participated in my problems and grief. So I thank God that they sent Pastor Tony in your church to help me with my problems and help my daughter. Her daughter is in one of these countries right now that we've talked about. That's where Nadia came from. And me and Nadia have been meeting and we're trying to work on how to deal with the embassies to get her daughter to the States because she told me she doesn't know how long she's got left to live. And while she was sitting in there, we're talking about the work and all that and I was praying about her daughter and I do want you to pray. We're going to pray in just a little bit for that. I said, Nani, how did you get saved if you grew up in a country that was anti-God and you went to jail? How did you even hear the gospel? She said, I, I was a young teenage girl and I was one of the only people that knew how to read. She said, I was um, at a lady's house one day and she waited to kind of get to know me. And when she did, she asked me the question and said, can you read? And she said, yes, ma'am, I can. And she hid within her couch a Bible, and she pulled it out and slipped it to Nadia and said, will you read this to me because I cannot read. And Nadia began to read the Bible to this lady day in and day out. Nadia one day stopped and accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. There was no invitation. There was no worship team or padded pews. There was a power in that room that was greater than the KGB. It was greater than the lies. And God delivered through that other lady that was a believer the word of God to Nadia. 
Nadia for 25 years, living in that country from then on out, went through more pain and suffering than you could ever explain. One time when God gives us the liberty, I've talked to Nadia and I said, I want to give your story in length. And I, I, I have a 24-page document in my office that she wrote out her testimony. And I'll tell you, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever read. They could not make her quiet. The word of God worked in her so much that she got the reputation of telling everybody, even though it was illegal. She was part of, a, they, they brought together and some Christians got together and they said, yeah, I don't care what they're going to do. And they had 13 Christians that gathered together that were going to go before them and say, please, we plead with you, give us the ability to be able to meet as a congregation without fear. While this meeting was going on, it grew to 500 Christians that came out that herd within. They said a matter of minutes that came out of the woodwork together in front of this uh, government place. They lined up transportation along the outside of it, not understanding that transportation was KGB agents dressed in civilian clothes. They put them in there, and she was one of them, and put them in there, and then they began to beat them on there and brought them to prison. Nadia was in and out of prison for 25 years. One of the times that she was in there, and many of the stories and accounts are given in there of what she went through. Saying that she could went days without being able to sleep because it was so cold and the floors were filled with water and they could not even lay down. So they came up with creative ways of being able to lean up against the wall and lean back to back to one another just to get sleep. She gave the account that one time in the midst of this, she was uh, told that they could have uh, showers and they brought them out and they made them all stripped down and it was negative 40 degrees and only at the end of their bath did they give them a cup of water to be able to pour on them that was hot but she still would not stop spreading the gospel one of the times when they released her they said you know what you've been one of the biggest pains in the neck because you will not stop talking they said, we're actually glad to see you go because you do nothing but cause problems for us. And a few times within her testimony, she spoke up and would tell humorous things that she would say. And you say, how in the world? Because she encountered a power that was greater than her circumstances. The Bible says all of this to the reason why. Why did he say go into all the world? Why did he give us the power? Why? Revelation chapter 20 verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell were delivered up, up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And whosoever was found, was not found written in the book, was cast into the lake of fire. Can you imagine this day? As nation by nation that had never heard the gospel is lined up in attention. And being cast into hell because they had never heard the truth of the gospel. I tell you, I, I read this and I try to imagine what it's like. And, it's, and I thought, but what, what, why does it have to be that way? And on that day, then we'll be crying out, Lord, why does it have to be? Lord, they've done nothing, Lord. And God said, I told you 
to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I told you I'd give you the power to do so. But I don't want to be one of those Christians that stand back and say, yeah, but I just put that card in my Bible and I did nothing about it. I don't want to be that Christian that always had an excuse because let me tell you, the excuses come from the devil because his plan is to send them to hell. I just want to be a church that is sold out and live with no regret to where I'm more of the saint that God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, than I am dropping my head because I know I held back from doing my part of the gospel. Church, this is why we exist and maybe it's my fault as a pastor for not lifting this up greater as a mission. Or maybe portraying missions as a program of the church or a season that we go through or the month of March. Or a day that we get together and put flags up. But missions is about realizing that people are going to hell, but we have the power to change that. I told the church Wednesday night, I saw a video that completely changed my perspective of missions. Everything that you hear, everything that you see on this platform, everything that I did came from me watching this one video. This video was not purchased off of some church website. It's not a promotional vehicle. It was not staged. It was just simply people that got it and understand the power of God's word. Lord, we are coming to you this morning understanding that perhaps we've taken things for granted. Lord, we've grown up in America where it's the land of the free. We very few of us ever experience persecution, ever understand what it really means to live by dramatic, radical faith. But I pray, God, that this church, we as a body of Christ, as a family of God, would begin to grab a hold of the reality of what the gospel is all about. You want to use us, God, as a church, and we're praying that you will use us. We want to be like Isaiah, standing up and saying, here are we, God. Send us. Use us. And I pray, God, that for those of us in this room, including myself, if we lack faith, I pray that you will help our unbelief. Give us the boldness that you gave Peter to trust you, to believe you, not just hear the messages, but to live the messages, to experience them. And so, God, as a church, we are crying out with one accord, Lord, use us. 
Give us faith that transcends all human capability. In Jesus' name. Dear God, we love you. And Lord, we claim your power in our lives. Lord, thank you for the just awesome host of missionaries that this church already supports and loves and gets behind and prays for. And Lord, we come to you today on behalf of those serving around the world right now for the sake of the gospel, for your great name. And Lord, what an awesome privilege it is to be part of that host and Lord, to be part of this team. And Lord, I'm praying uh, on behalf of all these other missionaries here today, Lord, thank you for a church like Fellowship Baptist Church that cares enough to get involved. Lord, may you give us power. Lord, help us to be uh, usable. Lord, we're just clay. And Lord, as we heard about today, Lord, you have phenomenal power. And Lord, if anyone needs to claim that power, it's us as missionaries as we go. Lord, I pray that you'd raise up some from this congregation today that would say, uh, I've heard the message, I'll give my faith promise, but Lord, even some might say today, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go to Columbus, Ohio, if that's where you call me, Lord, I'll go to India or Iraq or the Philippines or China or England, Lord, wherever you call, Lord, I'm willing, I'm ready, Lord, I'll go, and Lord, I pray you'd raise up some like that today, or do a mighty work, continue the work you've already started here. And may it continue on, not just today, not just this week, but ignite something in this church this whole year and for years to come that will never stop, Lord, for the sake of the gospel. Lord, we love you. All the praise and honor to you. Amen. Let me bring it home. Of everything that we talked about today, let me tell you, it starts in our Jerusalem in Columbus, Ohio. You're going to say, missions, 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 missions. I'm going to stop for missions for a minute and tell you, where are you at in your personal walk with God? Where are you at, Christian? Say, okay, around the world, in Ethiopia, and Egypt, and all these countries. No, let me bring it home. Where are you? You realize that God loves you? God died for you? Say, man, I'm, I'm saved. I've got it. Then what are you doing with your life? Are you sold out? Have you taken your hands off your life and say, God, if you call my children in the mission field, I, they're yours, Lord, I give them to you. Have you done that with your finances and said, God, you come first. I will go forward with the church. I will go forward with missions. Lord, I want my life to count. Do you know my Jesus is your Savior? Do you know my God is your God? Do you know him not in a religious way, but in a personal. He died for you to take away your sins. And maybe you're here today and you've gone through life and you say, man, this church is all about reaching people. Yes, we love people in Africa, but let me tell you, God loves you sitting in the pew of Fellowship Baptist Church. And if you're here today and you need to just say, God, I need to get back and focus. We're going to sing and I want you to pour your heart maybe in your pew or coming down an altar with your spouse or your wife or your family and say, God, I'm sorry for getting my focus off. God, I'm sorry for allowing the pleasure of this world to blur what I'm all about. And maybe you're here today that you need to encounter this great God that people around this world are coming to and breaking down the bondage 
You say, I don't worship an idol. I'll tell you, we got plenty of idols in America. We got plenty of things that the devil is pushing in your way to say, look at this, bow to this, believe in this. The lies are the same. We're going to sing a song that's about our personal relationship with God because it starts in our hearts. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close out our service. And I've got prayer warriors lined up across the front. If you want to come forward and talk to us about church membership, you want to talk to us about being baptized, if you need to get your heart right, if you say, God, I just need to get back in focus, understand that God loves you so much and he's got a plan for your life. Will you sing your heart out as we sing this song together? He is jealous for me. When did we get so comfortable? Love's when did we lose it? I am a tree bending beneath his wind and mercy. All of a sudden, I am unaware of these. How personal is this with you and God? By glory. What happened and when worlds of persecution are willing to lay down their lives just to be in the presence of the gospel? And we're more worried about how long the service is going to last. When did we lose it? sing Love's will you lift up your voice to your God I am a tree. is he real in your life or has he just become something we talk about when we get around religious people and all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how Like an unforeseen kiss, my heart's 
I just don't want to live with regret. You say, man, you were, you've lost it. When I study the disciples, I see a bunch of people. They didn't lose it. They found it. Now to the world, it looks like they lost it. I've realized God told me this. He said, lay not for your treasures here upon the earth where where moth and dust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steals, but lay out for your treasures in heaven. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our talents? What are we doing with our money? Because I promise you, when God takes us home, all of that doesn't matter. It's only what we did for Christ will last. That's it. If we come professional churchgoers, or if we learn how to be like Jesus Christ, I just, I want to be like Abraham, where he came and laid his son on the altar and said, God, all that I have, I trust you. If we can't learn to trust God with our finances, how can we ever trust him with our souls? If we can't trust God with things like paper money that God has given us and believing in God's promises, if we believe the promise that he said he'll save us from hell, then he's also claimed the promise that he'll give and it shall be given unto us. When it comes down to it, it's just a matter of our faith. We either believe it or we don't. And there be some that just say, hey, it's not for me. I just came here to hear the songs. I was hoping for a message that would make me feel good. I don't want to be that type of church. Say, so you stepped on my toes. I'm sorry, because I was aiming for your heart. It's not about us. It's not about us. May my life be an empty vessel for the glory of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He saved me. He bought me. He redeemed me. He gave me his word. He filled me with power. He anointed me to preach. And I don't want to do with all that I've got. And I just pray that you feel the same way.